1: But tomorrow can be bigger yeah.
2: Just grow Let the world overflow yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself You're created for greatness Live a life bigger
1: Welcome to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit gracechurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God, and we believe that His Word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching.
2: Father, I thank you for those that uh, are with me today. We're going to study the Bible together. We're going to dig into your word. Help us learn what we need to learn and grow in areas we need to grow. Also, Father, I pray for uh, the the family that lost that child in in Minnesota. Uh, I pray for the police officer. I pray for the authorities there. I, I pray for the people that are hurting, upset, and angry. Father, I pray that you give us wisdom uh, on how to direct our frustration, give us wisdom on how to resolve problems and, and issues, Father. I, I pray peace and, and safety upon all the children of Grace Church, that our young people will, will be preserved and protected, Father. I pray your hand upon each of them, and I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we all say amen. Well, today we are going to be in, uh, we're going to get to uh, Psalms 110, and uh, you know, this is Bible study. So at Bible study, uh, we actually study the Bible. So this is going to be a true Bible study where we're going to do some learning and some stretching. And we're going to see some things that perhaps we've not seen in the light that we're going to uh, see them today. And Psalm 110 is one of the most frequently uh, quoted Old Testament uh, scriptures in the entire uh, Bible. Uh, it was in Jesus' mouth, it was in Peter's mouth, it was in Paul's mouth, and it was also in the writer of Hebrews' uh, mouth. In fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews devoted a whole chapter uh, to uh, what is uh, written in the 110th uh, Psalm. Now, why was this uh, Psalm so important? Because it focused almost exclusively on the coming Messiah, or Jesus the Christ. And it begins in Psalms 110, actually before verse 1, right at the top. Yeah, the New King James Version, it will say a psalm of David. So this psalm begins by identifying the author. Uh, And what's interesting is Jesus further validates what the Bible says with his own testimony. He says himself that David wrote this psalm. So David's not a mythological uh, person. You know, historically, you know, back in the 60s, people said, you know, David didn't exist uh, but then, you know, we, we found a little bit more proof and and now people can't argue that. And, but so many things in the Bible people said, you know, it wasn't factual, didn't happen. But it's amazing how archaeology keeps proving the Bible uh, truth. So let's go to Matthew 22 and 44. Let's take a look at what Jesus says. And then we're going to get back into uh, Psalms 110. It says, while the Pharisees were gathering together, Jesus Ask them. Now, they had spent all day asking Jesus questions, and these were not friendly questions. These were questions designed to trip him up, uh, questions designed to uh, humiliate him. But what Jesus finally does, he flips the, the, the script, and now it's his turn to ask questions to the uh, Pharisees here. He said, uh, what do you think about the Christ. So again, they're asking him questions. Who do you think you are? And all the rest of the stuff. So he said, well, but what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Uh, And they said to him, rightfully so, the son of David. The son of David was a pretty good answer. The problem was it was an inch deep. And a mile wide like many of our faiths. We, we have a, a faith that's about an inch deep and a mile wide. And this is why we have Bible study. And this is why I'm so glad you uh, became a part of this Bible study tonight, because it's all designed to make your faith go just a little bit deeper. The problem was the Pharisees had only a partial understanding of who Jesus was. And, and the longer we, we walk with Jesus, the deeper our understanding of him uh, should grow. Uh, the, the problem was, though, with these men is they were very, very religious but they weren't really walking and growing with God. And you could be very religious. You may know your two, three favorite scriptures. You might even have a favorite preacher. But if you're not in this word, if you're not uh, learning new things every uh, week, uh, you're not really going to grow in your faith. And this is why I, I spend so much time uh, trying to lay out this word and you don't just hear me preaching one thing and uh, we, we, we cover to the best of my ability the entire Bible so that we can have a well-balanced faith just like we need well-balanced food uh, because you, you need you know, starches, you need, well, some of you are vegetarians, but, but you need protein and, and, and you need all the different types of food in order for you to be healthy. Verse 43, he said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Now, we see a number of things in this verse. First, we see that uh, uh, the Bible in Jesus' mind was not concocted by men. Now, all he had was the written scripture, but he says, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Jesus believed that the writers of scripture were moved by the Holy Spirit, that they were inspired of the Holy Spirit. He can't, follow Jesus without following his line of reasoning and thinking God's word to Jesus was inspired when he was dealing with the devil. What did he do? He quoted Moses. He quoted the scripture over and over again. He refers to the scriptures as inspired and God's very, very word. And likewise, we must do the same. And he said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord saying now David here is about this. is Why, again, this is Bible study, because it's going to take a moment for you to follow. David's about to call uh, his future Messiah his Lord. This is important. This is what he says in verse 44. And he's by the way, David was speaking by the what? Holy Spirit. The, 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 The scripture is given by the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus quoting the Psalms, actually Psalm 110. And this is what David said. The Lord said to my Lord, literally Yahweh said to Adonai, and both of these names were used for God in the Old Testament. So the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, so who called him Lord in the 110th Psalm? David. So David was not a mythological person. David was a real person, flesh and blood, a real guy. So he said, if David then calls him Lord or the Messiah, Lord, and by the way, no one could argue at this point in history that this was not a messianic psalm. So if David called the Messiah his Adonai or his Lord, the question Jesus asked the Pharisees who were uh, upset because Jesus kept uh, 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 stating that he was, in fact, the the, the, the son of God and, and that he had privileges equal uh, to God, um, he asked this question, if David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? Meaning the Messiah must have been or must be more than just a, a physical descendant of David. In fact, he's saying if David himself called the Messiah Lord, the the, the Messiah must be superior to David. Because let's put it this way, a Uh, a great-grandfather does not call his great-grandson Lord. Uh, Typically, a great-great-grandfather doesn't call the great-great-grandson Lord, uh, son, uh, sir, sorry. So typically, it's the young uh, that acknowledge the older or salute the older or give respect to the older. But we see here that the Messiah who had not yet come was considered Lord to David. So yes, Jesus is the son of David meaning he's a descendant of David, but he's both God and man to David he yeah, he was his physical descendant, but David saluted him as someone superior to him in role and identity and everything else. Did I lose you? Stay with me. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his how Is he his son? That's a great uh, question. Uh, Again, Jesus was of a higher rank, a higher order than uh, David. Uh, The son of man uh, became well better. The son of God became the son of man so that men could become sons of God. God came down and became one of us. David recognizes, although uh, Jesus was his natural descent through Mary, you know, Mary's genes, whatever part of Mary's genes that were in Jesus's body, um, that was from the line of David. However, we know that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and the actual seed that was placed in Mary's womb was from God uh, himself. So it's an amazing thing uh, the incarnation here. But uh, David understood that this was not just a descendant of his, that that the, the Messiah would, in fact, be greater than him. The, the Messiah would be Adonai or Lord. And by the way, this is the Old Testament. Let's keep reading. And no one was able to answer him a word. I mean, can you really successfully argue uh, the Bible with the author of the Bible? Can you really successfully argue the Bible uh, with the one the entire book was written about. And this was what they were trying to do when Jesus uh, pointed them to the scripture. And, you know, because they were upset because he was claiming divine prerogatives. He was like, listen, your own Bible, the one you say, you know, so well, the one that you say you're an expert in your Bible speaks of me. And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him any more. Jesus was a bad boy. Let's, let's go back now to uh, Psalms 110 and verse one. All right. So David is writing and he said, the Lord said, notice the past tense. Now David lived about a thousand years before uh, Mary gave birth to Jesus in uh, uh, Bethlehem. Okay. So What we see here is that the Lord said, meaning past tense. So this was past tense, a thousand years before Jesus was born. The Lord said to my Lord, this was amazing because the Holy Spirit enabled David to hear a conversation between the father and the son somewhere in eternity past. Again, this was 1000 years before Christ And even then it was past tense or at least before his his birth. So Jesus must have existed before uh, he was born in, in Bethlehem. And I want you to take a second to, to think about all that. And all we see all of this in the scripture. This is not uh, just something uh, that we believe in the New Testament. It was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. And it talked about, you know, the one that would come would be called mighty God, the prince of peace, et cetera. Uh, the Messiah to come was more than just a, amen. Let's though look at the New Testament as uh, John in chapter one uh, elucidates. This just a little bit. He said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Now, the word with the I believe it's pros pros or pros. And uh, you, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I will tell you the term literally means face to face. So. The the, the word speaks of someone in deep, personal, face to face and intimate relationship with God. Uh, Have you ever heard the expression, you know, I really got in that person's face? That's typically negative. But what it was saying was Jesus wasn't just kind of with God, meaning that he was somewhere else in the universe. No, he was up close and personal. He was literally in the face of God. In the beginning was the word. And watch the location of the word? And the word was with God face to face, close and personal with God. And the word was God. So the word was with God, but at the same time, the word was God. So we see here in the scripture that somehow they are two persons, but in some respect, they're also one because he was with God. But at the same time, he was God. By the way, do you know where the... Uh, this is a little trivia. Do you know where the three leaf, uh, clover, uh, why on St. Patrick's Day, why, why the clover is so, so celebrated? Well, the, the reason is because when, uh, St. Patrick was ministering to the Celtics and the Irish in particular, um, you know, they were having difficulty with the concept of, uh, the triunity of God. It's like, how, how could God be one but, but three persons? So he used the comic, the common shamrock to explain the concept of the Holy Trinity. And basically what he said is, you know, there's three leaves there. He says, you know, just as this plant is one and one leaf, you know, three, three leaves, uh, but one represents the father, one represents uh, the son, one represents the Holy Spirit, one in in nature, one single plant, but three distinct personalities. And this is what, why we we have these clovers and and, and all, all that stuff. Now, you know on uh, uh, St. Day, Let's go back to verse one of, of Psalms 110. The Lord said to my Lord. So the divinity of the Messiah was foretold in the Old Testament. And literally what he's saying here is God said to God, you remember in the beginning, he said, let us make man. God was speaking to himself. And in 110 is picked up here. Uh, the Lord said to my Lord, God said to God, sit at my Right hand. Now, to sit at a person's right hand in the ancient world, a king's right hand in the ancient world, uh, was was a big deal. And uh, it was a place of high honor. I mean, you wanted to be at the right hand of a uh, king. So, after redemption, after the work of the cross, guess where Jesus was seated in the highest and most honored place in the universe, the right hand of the Father. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies. Your footstool. Now, First Corinthians 15, 26 tells us what this last enemy actually is going to be. Now, there are lots of enemies, uh, lots of uh, uh, there's lots of demons, lots of spirit, lots of opposition against the Lord and his Christ. But there's a final enemy that when this final enemy is taken out, the uh, Messianic age will uh, begin let's take a look at that let's go to first corinthians 15 26 just want to reiterate this is a bible study so you're going to learn the bible just a little bit verse 26 the last enemy that will be destroyed is death that's important so in the list of all the things that the manifest power of god is going to deal with the final thing the the the, the thing that's left for god to finally manifest in the earth a complete victory over is death. Let's read it one more time. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And what he's saying is at that point, physical death will no longer be possible for you or for 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 me. And and he goes on and says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last moment, uh, trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be what changed. So he's saying there's coming a moment in, in history where human beings will be changed and, and, and we will become incorruptible and death will no longer uh, be an option. So Aunt Mary, Aunt Sue uh, will, will, will not be able to die. Uh, you will never lose a child. You will never lose a father. Uh, you, the death, the last enemy of God, met. when Adam and Eve were created, by the way, death was not part of what God planned for us. Death was a result of the floor, fall. In the day you eat of this fruit, you shall what? Die or take of the tree. So uh, death came because of our sin. But since Jesus came to redeem us from sin, one of the final acts God's going to do is redeem us from the curse of death. Now, the thing that distinguishes Christianity from a lot of the other uh, world religions is a lot of the world religions have a little some contempt for the physical body not not our God our God created our bodies and what's going to happen is let me just back up when Jesus was was resurrected he said handle me for spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me had so Jesus could be handled he still had a temporal well you no, know, he had an eternal body uh, but it was it was physical let's put it that way and God we will still have physicality matter of fact when we if, if you die today and go to heaven. Your spirit and your soul will go to be with the Lord. However, your body will will, will will rest or sleep in the grave. But there's coming a day when God he's not he's redeemed our spirits completely and he's working. You know, the, the reason you're in the word is for him to uh, renew your mind, your soul, uh, that type of thing. But there's coming a day. Actually, the Bible calls it our blessed hope when God will uh, resurrect our bodies. So we will have at that point immortal bodies. So what will happen if you die today? You you would go be with the Lord. So to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. But when he returns, you will uh, be given a glorified body and you will have Uh, spiritual physicality. I don't know how to explain it all, but you will have a resurrected body. Jesus walked through a wall with a resurrected body. Jesus flew through the air with a resurrected body. It is going to be absolutely amazing. If the earth is amazing now with these dying bodies, these decrepit bodies, these bodies that get aches and pains, these bodies that that get tired and and sweaty and all the rest. Imagine what life's going to be like when we no longer have those types of limitations and that's part of the blessed hope. And this is this is why we don't walk away from our salvation. It's a big deal, uh, not only because Christ is worthy of our worship and praise and, and he's the way to true life and all that. But also, man, the life on the other side of this thing is going to be absolutely amazing. And there will be. Uh, physicality uh, to us. And physicality may not be the right word, uh, but there will be materiality. We won't just be phantoms absorbed into the universe. It's not that type of thing. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about us having resurrected body. Let me read verse uh, 54 of uh, First Corinthians 15. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought past the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is this thing? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? So this corruptible body is going to be changed and it's going to put on immortality and incorruption. Incorruption means there's no weakness, no, no corruption. I mean, something corrupt has been corroded and, and it's less than what it once was. Uh, so, you know, corrupted file is a file that's not like it originally was. But God is going to remove all corruption and we're going to be incorruptible. Um, it's, it's going to be absolutely amazing. But, you know, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, the spiritual part is established. We are born again from above. We belong uh, to Christ in our spirit. But the final piece is the, our resurrected bodies, and and that's why when when Jesus comes, we, we, we we're gonna we, we're gonna be able to fly through the air and all that because we, we're not gonna have limitations. It's gonna be absolutely uh, amazing. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, all that God's prepared for those who 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 love Him. Uh, Revelation twenty one and four says this, and I'm gonna get back to uh, Psalms one ten. Are you learning? I hope you're you're learning, and I hope I'm I'm, I'm stretching some of your your thinking here. And this is the promise of God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. This is talking about when there's a new heavens, new earth, just like there's going to be a new heavens, a new earth. You're going to get a new body. It's amazing. Nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. So it's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, you get a body and you get a body. I mean, it's going to be amazing what God does. Uh, when he returns, Psalms 110, verse one, the Lord said to my Lord, Jehovah said to Adonai, sit at my right hand, share all my divine authority. Uh, and By the way, this is why we worship uh, Jesus, because the Lord said to my Lord, uh, God said to God, till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, kings at, at uh, in the ancient world, this particular time in history, uh, once they defeated a, an opposing uh, king, what they would do is they would publicly do this. They would make the king lie down on the ground and the conquering king would put uh, his foot on the neck of the king that has been conquered. That's important. So what he's saying here, um, a matter of fact, we should we should show you a relief right here. And you'll see at the bottom of the relief a head under that king's foot. So th- there's coming a day when, when all of God's enemies will be defeated, not only in the spirit realm, as they are today, demons are defeated in the spiritual realm that they, they have no victory in the realm of the spirit. And as we uh, uh, put our faith in Christ and and use our authority, uh, there are things we can do uh, to, to, to stop uh, the adversary to operating in full measure uh, as he as he would would like to. But there's coming a day again. It won't just be a spiritual victory or just exists or primarily exists only in the spirit realm but the entire earth itself is going to be full of God's glory and uh, the knowledge of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the water of the seas and it's just going to be an amazing moment where the manifest glory of God in fact when you look at your Bibles you're going to discover that we're going to you know if you die today you go to be with God in heaven but actually God's going to move heaven back to earth heaven and I don't know if it back to earth but to earth heaven's going to come to earth and Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem, and people will come to worship. It's going to be an absolutely amazing.
1: This has been a special edition of the Live Big broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at TV. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big.
0: The desire for personal and professional development is a characteristic of successful leaders. It's the desire for growth and to serve with excellence that makes a great leader. The pathway to becoming a better leader isn't always easy. Busy schedules, finding proven resources, and networking with like-minded individuals can be challenging and time-consuming. If this sounds familiar, check out the Renaissance Leadership Network, where you will connect to a dynamic group of peers. Find premium resources and expertise from time-tested world-class leaders to help propel you towards your leadership goals. Best of all, The Renaissance Leadership Network offers ISet Continuing Education units for its learning events that comply with the ANSI ISet Continuing Education and Training Standard. For more information, go to rlnleadership.com and learn more about membership benefits designed to take you to the next level of leadership. While you are there, be sure to register for the next online leadership session.